This is a Suno India production. You are listening to Climate Emergency. I've been doing journalism for almost 15 years now, and uh, the last 10 years I've been focusing on uh, environmental stories and development stories uh, from across uh, India. This is Sharada Bal Subramanian. an award winning journalist from tamil nadu who will be hosting the mini series tales from the coast an on ground reportage on climate change and environmental issues from the south indian coastal state of tamil nadu hi i'm rakesh host of this podcast climate emergency and production lead at suno india in the coming weeks we will have sharda take over the podcast as a host as she will be reporting from the ground on various issues surrounding climate change adaptation case studies from Tamil Nadu just to give you an overview of the issues that will be covered in this mini series i spoke to sharda to understand why she chose to do the mini series and what she feels are the challenges in reporting uh, so i primarily write about climate change water agriculture uh, conservation and wildlife uh, these are some of the topics that i cover and i have got training and many fellowships which has actually helped me to report in a better way and that's what i've been doing now for the last decade so can you tell a little more about this short series as you may know that tamil nadu was one of the states that was affected by tsunami so there are many places uh, uh, where uh, even today people are actually trying to rebuild their lives and you know how uh, how they have uh, coped with tsunami and after that what they have been doing so this uh, series actually looks at various adaptation strategies it's more looking at uh, you know what people have been doing what communities have been doing specifically why climate change in tamil nadu is the focus of this series tamil nadu again if you look at it we have uh, you know the bay of bengal we have the indian ocean i think uh, we have like a huge uh, coastal line you know that spans across the eastern coast the recently there have been so many incidents of uh, cyclones and we've seen a lot of natural disasters that's been happening and so many fishing communities are there like dependent on the sea for their survival so i think it's very important that we look and address at how these people are going to uh, you know how they are living their lives uh, living next to the coast and what will their future be like you know in terms of their livelihood so i think uh, this is one of the reasons and also uh, we all talk about rising sea level and so many scientists talk about rising sea level and which is again very um, you know very evident when i travel to different parts of uh, tamil nadu more so in the nagapatnam district and um, also like you know water is a major issue right now and people living in coastal areas again they say that with the rising sea level the ground water is getting salty and you know how their agriculture is getting affected so climate change as such uh, is impacting the livelihoods of so many people who are dependent on the coast for their livelihood right so i think that is one of the main reasons why i chose this topic what challenges did you face so far and what do you envision as you are reporting now Uh, on yes. the other stories what do you think will be the challenges that you will come across i think it's more challenging to find solutions and it's more challenging to find data that can actually support uh, you know the climate change issues i think that's that's a huge challenge that's going to happen and uh, that's already happening it's becoming very unpredictable so even when we talk about uh, solutions uh, we are looking at you know how 
like some communities which are actually leaving or migrating uh, due to climate change and you know that's again an issue that we look at is the challenges to even identify the community and trying to see what they are doing and you know trying to see look at the success of it again i think in a long run we really cannot predict what's going to happen but at least we if we can you know find find a good adaptation practice i think finding such stories itself is a huge challenge because we just talk about climate change in data but not about adaptation so i think finding such stories is itself is a challenge uh, what do you envision in this series like what are uh, the things that you will be covering in broad so that you know the listeners can have an idea about what they are looking at when they when they listen to this series so in uh, in this series what i'm looking at is like you know four different geographies in uh, in tamil nadu and all coastal areas and uh, it, it's more like uh, taking uh, uh, taking our listeners to uh, the communities and uh, taking them to the place and actually uh, letting them know what's happening uh, from the ground uh, on the ground what is happening like uh, salinity is becoming a huge issue among farmers uh, in coastal areas so again how that is being addressed that is going to be one of the stories where i'll be traveling to kadalur to look at how actually a lot of farmers and fishermen uh, are actually doing this thing called vetiware farming which is like an aromatic plant and how that which has a huge demand in countries like malaysia and also fishermen have this problem of fishing ban right uh, during the fish breeding season so they need uh, alternative livelihood i think all these stories look at how we have uh, exploited the marine um, marine life and marine fisheries or marine resources on the other hand we are also looking at how sea level rise is impacting the groundwater how it's impacting the livelihood of people and uh, what are people actually doing about it because uh, it takes a whole um, it's not just one person it's not just one ngo or just one community and how a whole bunch of people are coming together to sort of resolve this so that will be the larger focus of the story it is more solution driven uh, because we want to talk about what people are also doing to address these kind of challenges so we are looking at these kind of stories that show alternative livelihood also community involvement in this and scientists involvement of scientists and local people and how the integrated effort of everyone is uh, helping in addressing these challenges i think that's the larger focus of the story It's a breezy Sunday evening in Pumbohar, a sleepy coastal town in Nagapatnam district of Tamil Nadu. There were hardly a few shops in the town and the road was a little deserted. On this idle road, I found my way to Tsunami Nagar, crossing through the homes built for fishermen after tsunami. Pumbohar, once a prosperous land, is ancient and dates back to the Chola kings who ruled here. Tamil literature says that This port town flourished between 300 BC to 300 AD and was a popular place for trading. History has recorded occurrence of tsunami here and submergence of this land centuries ago. Even today, underwater excavations unearth remnants of a town that was swallowed up by the tsunami in the past. Hello, I'm Sharda Balasubramanian and I'm here with the first in the podcast series on climate change and coastal communities. for suno india it was about 5 pm 
when I actually walked out of Tsunami Nagar just to experience the town and of course to also visit the beach. There were local tourists on the main road flocking to a nearby temple. On one end of the road, fishermen were busy weaving colorful fishing nets. The road bustled with hawkers selling peanuts, corn, fried fish, ice cream and hot piping tea. Many women were selling a variety of fish in the open. Youth trotted on the long bridge from where they could witness the Kaveri River merging into the Bay of Bengal. I must also say that this place was once called Kaveri Pumpattinam as the river merges with the sea here. People relaxed on large boulders that were placed along the shoreline. The sea as such was calm. As the sun began setting, the air got cooler. People started dispersing and the town came to a grinding halt. I headed back to Tsunami Nagar, watching fisher families sitting outside their homes, having a conversation in the dim-lit street. A few of them even invited me for an evening meal of fish. The history of Pumbuhar is not just a history of time. It is also a history of shifting lands. Scientists and historians talked about the shifting land four times due to sea level rise and tsunami. And with that, the place where Kaveri River meets the sea has also been shifting, scientists observe. After the tsunami, new houses were built away from the coast for fishermen's safety, raising down thick thorny patches of scrubland. From the locals, I heard stories of surviving tsunami and rebuilding their lives from the scratch. This episode is a story of adaptation. Fishermen and farming communities in this district can no longer depend on just one source of income for maintaining their lives more so with the unpredictable climate patterns. In this beautiful Nagapatnam district, teeming with greenery and breeze from the coconut trees, I took off to the hinterlands, visiting fish farmers. Through various training programs from the MS Swaminathan Research Foundation, the communities here have been learning to integrate horticulture, floriculture, apiculture, goat rearing, poultry, along with fishing and farming. I was here to see how people adapted to changes after the tsunami and their livelihood now in the face of changing climate and natural calamities. Vailvari, a scientist from MSSRF, has been working closely with the communities and she talks about the initiatives taken here after the tsunami. So Vailbidi, tell me, it's been over a decade that the centre was set up in Pompohar. So what really happened during this time? What were the measures taken uh, in the decade for the welfare of communities affected by the tsunami? And how are they now climate resilient? Though the Fish for All centre started in 2009, our activities started back in 2004 after the tsunami. There are two things we had looked at then. First was what we could do for tsunami rehabilitation for these communities from a livelihood component and second how this livelihood can be sustainable for climate change. 
Velbury, please tell me about how climate change is actually impacting fish resources and livelihood of fishermen. நாங்க வந்து மெயினா கான்சென்ட்ரேட் பண்ணது வந்து அவங்களுடைய லைவ்லிஹுட் வந்து நம்ம என்ஹான்ஸ் பண்ணணும் இப்போ நம்ம ஃபிஷிங் அப்படின்னு எடுத்துக்கிட்டோம் அப்படின்னாக்கா இன்னைக்கு ரெடியூசிங் இன் மல்டிபிள் வேஸ் டுடே climate change has a major impact as it changes the weather pattern also fishermen are not able to catch fishes they caught earlier for example oil sardine which was found in malabar coast is now found here 60% of the indian ocean has oil sardines how did they come here the question arises scientists say that due to temperature rise it spreads similarly in squid fishery we were not getting so much of squids earlier but now their population has increased if we look at mackerel fish they are surface fishes fishermen carry surface gill nets to capture those fishes now due to temperature variation these fishes have gone from surface water to mid water so now if fishermen fish using surface gill net they cannot catch these fishes they will come back saying there was no fish catch the fishermen have been pushed to adapt and change their fishing technique They usually can predict the wind pattern and decide which net to carry for fishing. Nowadays they are unable to predict the changing wind conditions. All this is affecting their livelihood. Fishermen as a whole get affected. But the most affected are always the poor fishermen. But ana ipa enna nadakudhu appadina and the fish vandu due to temperature variation ala adu surface la irundhu mid water ku vandu adu irukka adu anga poga aarambichiruchu. Fishing has changed over the years. due to climatic conditions and more people venturing into the sea for resources everyone talks about overfishing and how that is fast depleting the marine resources how does overfishing impact the livelihood of small fishermen and in such a scenario isn't it a greater challenge to address the livelihood of fishermen namakku vandu the livelihood appdin solittu paakumbodhu over exploitation of fish resources also vandu matter vandu inge irukku When we look at livelihood, over-exploitation of fish resources is also another issue. Industrial fishing is being promoted and this impacts the livelihood of traditional fishermen. There is no fishing near the shore area. So we can separate the waters into three categories. There are inland waters, territorial sea and exclusive economic zone area. Estuaries and ponds will be inland waters and usually fishermen don't go there only the fish farmers go territorial sea is the fisherman area and this is 12 nautical miles from the shore so the exclusive economic zone is 200 nautical miles away and people fish within our country borders in exclusive economic zones fishermen were going to territorial waters earlier now there are not many fishers in the territorial area and so they are pushed to go beyond the territorial waters and small fishermen find it difficult because they don't have the facility to go there so there are multiple factors here like coastal industries pollution plastic all affect the marine environment we need to look at how we can promote resilience and for that we need to promote sustainable practices so the multiple factors vandu avanga अफेक्ट பண்ணிட்டு இருக்க மாதிரி इंडस्ट्रीज कोस्टल इंडस्ट्रीज पोल्यूशन प्लास्टिक एवरीथिंग வந்து इट अफेक्ट्स द मरीन एनवायरमेंट सो இந்த இதுல தான் வந்து நமக்கு வந்து எப்படி ஆ சோ टेल मी व्हाट वाज योर अप्रोच टू ब्रिंगिंग इन ट्रेनिंग फॉर लोकल कम्युनिटीज इट मस्ट बी चैलेंजिंग टू चेंज द वे द फिशरमैन प्रैक्टिस फिशिंग 
or telling them to adapt to new changes. So how do you promote new sustainable fishing practices within the community? So that's why we promote the sustainable fishing practices continuous training program. To promote sustainable fishing practices, they need continuous training programs. It is not a one-time thing. There is a need to change their behavioral attitudes and it is not going to happen soon. For that to happen, we have to create efforts to bring in their trust. We give training, demos and knowledge on deep sea technology. How can we catch tuna in deep sea? How to process it? What are the different mesh sizes, fish habitat and even fish biology? For instance, people think shark fish will have lot of hatchlings and that is not true. There won't be many hatchlings, there are only limited young ones. So we tell them that there will be only 5 young ones. And they will know that they should not catch the young ones. Or else these 5 will also vanish and their species can go extinct. We tell them not to throw the torn nets into the sea. We also tell them not to catch young fishes. And even if they are caught and dead, we ask them to throw them back into the sea. When we diversify livelihood of these people, the pressure on the sea will reduce. We did an assessment and spoke to them. Fishermen were only keen if it was marine or fishery related. They were not interested in farming or other things. So we worked on how we can generate livelihood along these lines, like say integrated fish culture, post-harvesting, processing and marketing. They catch very little fish, so they should know how to process and market them. They were trained on making compost from fish waste, setting up unit establishments and conducting events among others. Farmers or fishermen could not just depend on one source, say just fishing or just paddy or vegetables for their livelihood. Integrated fish farming was a concept that looked at bringing various components like floriculture, apiculture, horticulture, fodder crops, poultry, along with fish rearing. There are many underutilized ponds in this region. Such ponds were identified and rebuilt to raise fish. Vervari explains more on this concept. Coastal farmers are coastal fishermen are coastal resources depend on farmers fish farmers the farm pond so farm pond is agriculture related activities just like coastal fishermen there are coastal farmers who depend on coasts for their livelihood they are fish farmers and they have farm ponds they use them for agricultural activities we thought, why can't we use that for income generation? So we introduced fish culture in farm pond. Otherwise, if they did just fishing, they would wait for 8 months to harvest. And they will also lose interest while waiting. We looked at how they can get their daily income from the farm pond. Agriculture, horticulture and floriculture could be done around the pond. And different components can be brought in. In lesser area, there will be more benefit. The concept is how maximum output can be brought from minimum inputs. It's not just integration. One component is linked to another. One waste becomes manure for another component. For example, poultry waste becomes fish feed. Farm pond water can be used for other purposes. 
So like this, there can be 10 components in one farm. So far, 152 farm points have been converted into integrated fish farming in Nagapatnam district. In a recent study, we found that integration for one crop in 8 months gave additional income of like say 40,000 to 60,000 rupees. Other than this, on daily basis, they consume vegetables for their nutritional requirements. A Nabad Farmers WhatsApp group was formed in the district. Velbedi shared a post of the fisherman who got fish catch worth rupees 3,500 on the day of Pongal. The farmer shared the details of the money he spent on the input and the types of fishes he had caught. He had just spent Rs. 750 for the inputs. There are many such underutilized ponds in coastal areas. Conversion to farm ponds has proved to be a successful alternative livelihood option for these fish farmers. One such farmer is Govindaraj. I walked into the backyard of his house. On the stretch of the land from the backyard to his farm, there were tall fruiting trees like guavas and bananas. Beyond these trees, there were creepers from where Govindaraj happily took out a massive white pumpkin. There were many such pumpkins hidden beneath the creepers. He had left them all to harvest later. He said that this year he profited from vegetable cultivation. On his farm, onion seedlings were just sprouting. There was also bitter gourd, bottle gourd, tomatoes, coriander, chilies, tomatoes and many other vegetables. His land also had traditional paddy varieties. He also cut a farm pond and rears fishes for his living. He talks about the change in his farm and the training he received. I learned how to do organic farming through MSSRF. I took part in their meeting and learned how to rear fish, build farm pond, practice apiculture. I also learned about diseases fish get and how to treat that and how to grow vegetables around the farm pond. They also gave us vegetable seeds and fruit plants. I have placed the fruit plants around the farm pond. I know how to prepare organic manure like panchakabhyam. We will also be trained in poultry farming, they said. The farmers I spoke to said just one thing that was common. During the fishing ban time, fishes from the farm pond will give them high profits. Govindaraj talks more about his recent fish catch in the pond. I raised fish during July, August. I gave proper food and manure for fishes. For Pongal festival, I took some fishes for consumption at home. I will now take them out during fishing ban season for selling. Govindaraj also has cows and gets 10 litres of milk every day. 
This is directly supplied to the milk company Avin. He said that he did not even have to sit and milk the cow every day. People from Avin come and take it themselves. He also talks about his profit from vegetable cultivation. காய்கறியில் எனக்கு வந்து பரங்கியில் வந்து தான் ஒரு அறநூற்றம்பது ரூபா வந்தது இது பூசணி வந்து எண்ணூறுரூவா வந்தது அப்புறம் அந்த வெண்டையில் வந்து ஒரு ஆயிரத்தி ஐ காட் வெரி குட் ப்ராஃபிட் ஃப்ரம் வெஜிடபிள்ஸ் ஐ சோல்ட் எல்லோ பம்கின் ஃபார் சிக்ஸ் ஃபிஃப்டி ஒயிட் பம்கின் ஃபார் எயிட் ஹண்ட்ரட் லேடிஸ் ஃபிங்கர் ஃபார் சிக்ஸ்டீன் ஹண்ட்ரட் கிளஸ்டர் பீன்ஸ் ஃபார் சிக்ஸ்டீன் ஃபிஃப்டி ஐ ஆல்சோ க்ரூஸ் பினாச் ஐ யூஸ் தெம் அட் ஹோம் அண்ட் ஆல்சோ சோல் தெம் அவுட் சைட் அதில் காய்கறி விதையில் நல்ல லாபம்தான் கிடச்சிது நாங்கள் கொடுத்த கீரை வேறு வேறு வச்சுருந்தாங்க அது கீரையில் நல்ல லாபம் கிடச்சிது வீட்டுக்கான வேண்டிய தேவையான கீரையும் எடுத்துக்கிட்டோம் வீட்டுக்கு வேண்டியான காய்கறியும் எடுத்துக்கிட்டோம் எல்லாம் ஆர்கானிக் முறையில் நல்ல வருமானம் கிடச்சிது இந்த லாஸ்ட் ஒன் இயர் எம்எஸ்எஸ்ஆர்எஃப்ஸ் ஆக்டிவிட்டீஸ் ஃபோக்கஸ்ட் ஆன் ப்ரொமோட்டிங் த கான்செப்ட் ஆஃப் கம்யூனிட்டி ஃபிஷ் பாண்ட்ஸ் இன் த நெக்ஸ்ட் இயர் ஃப்ரம் ப்ரொமோஷன் த ஃபிஷ் ஃபார்மிங் வில் ஹாவ் டு பி பாப்புலரைஸ்ட் அமங் கம்யூனிட்டிஸ் ஃபார் திஸ் fish farmers in their respective villages were identified to become master trainers these master trainers would take the concept of fish farmers to other people in their villages so very tell me how do you identify these master trainers to expand integrated fish farming nama integrated concept undu konnu thondutom adu popularize pannanum appdin varumbodhu undu msrf illa nabado illa matra agents mattume panna mudiyadhu The concept of integrated farming has been brought in, but that needs to be popularized. We need the support of local people. Just NABAD and MSSRF are not enough. We selected 30 farmers as master trainers in this region. There were certain criteria for choosing them. They must have at least one acre farm pond and it should not be integrated. This is because only when they witness how integration happens, they learn how to do it. Also they should be small holding farmers who should be regularly involved in fish farming activities. We identified 30 farmers from 30 villages in Sirkari and Seminar Kovil blocks. We told them how to rejuvenate the farms and we gave input support for components. Some of them built farm ponds with their own money and those who could not spend there are government schemes and we tied them to that. We brought fish nurseries and gave input and training for one year. Every month for a year we talk to them about how to integrate every component for instance how to integrate poultry or vegetable floriculture azolla or apiculture now the farmers are doing it until march this master training will happen next year there will be popularization the master trainer will reach out and train farmers in his village so when each master trainer reaches 100 farmers we will reach 3000 people ஒவ்வொருங்கிங் with no agricultural laborers supporting him in his farm he cultivated peanuts small onions sesame millets as it suits the soil conditions here he talks more about his field knowledge now illa na kai garigala ponna engalukku vandu daily varumana undu veetukku na perumbala kai garigala vaangala 
எல்லாம் அதே சமயத்தில் ஒரு ஒரு நாலாயிரம் ஐயாயிரத்துக்கு விற்றுட்டு இருக்கும் அதனால வந்து I get daily income from vegetables. We never bought vegetables for consumption at home. Experts say that fish is yearly income, vegetables is weekly income. They have trained us like this and it turned profitable. After training, I have put banana and fodder crops as well. We even learned beekeeping and received certificates after each training program. எல்லா எல்லா நோகமும் எனக்கு இயற்கையிலேயே இருக்கு இருந்தாலும் இப்போ வந்து எனக்கு ஒவ்வொரு பயிற்சியும் கொடுத்து அதுக்கு பயிற்சியினுடைய சர்டிஃபிகேட்லாம் கொடுத்துருக்குறாங்க குணசேகரன் ஆல்சோ ரீப்ஸ் ப்ராஃபிட் ஃப்ரம் ஃபிஷ் பாண்ட் வந்து மேடம் எனக்கு கொஞ்சம் லாபம் கூட எனக்கு கேட்டிங்கன்னா நான் லேபர் கிடையாது நானே லேபர் எல்லாத்துக்கும் I have profit from fishes as well. Now I have half a kilo of fish. It will soon become 1 kilo and then a ton. In fish rearing, I get more income because I don't spend on labor. I do all the work myself. I spend only rupees 10 for buying the feed. Fish farmers change the way they practice farming. and they were also able to generate sustainable income with new initiatives like integrated fish farming however all that was possible with the effort of the community where one fish farmer dug out a farm pond there were many others who witnessed this transformation and wanted to implement this in their own farms now as master trainers embark on a new move to train other farmers in the village it is expected that many unutilized farm ponds in villages would be converted into fish farms this will give communities good income opportunities in days to come in the next episode i will take you to vanagiri a fishing village in the nagapatnam district of tamil nadu from the last decade a fisherman kuttiyandi has been collecting eggs of olive ridley turtles and conserving them he ensures that they are taken care of until they hatch and are ready to be let into the sea looking at the dedication of this local fisherman the forest department has now entrusted him with the responsibility of turtle conservation local communities ngo college youth have all come together to protect these turtles You will hear all about the night long walks to collect eggs, the state of the turtles in the changed modern fishing environment, mobilizing communities to conserve these turtles, and how these species struggle for survival in this human infested overfished seascapes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Climate Emergency. If you like this episode and would like to support the work that we are doing, please contribute generously. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Podcast, Castbox or wherever you're listening to this podcast or you can go to our website sunoindia.in. Thank you.